What's going on, family? This is your boy DJ Preach, the founder of the Life Show Radio. And I see that you're doing great things right now by keeping it locked here on the MTMV Sports Podcast. Yeah, I better be talking about the Carolina Panthers. Let's go. What's up, my ballers? For a quiet time with God, I really want to talk about your struggles. I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with um, abandonment issues. You know, I've really struggled with, you know, just being myself and, you know, just being confident. And I've also struggled with low self-esteem. But through all that, I've really found that, you know, having a foundation with God, with my, you know, just reading my Bible, studying the word and just really concentrating on, you know, all the truth that God has told me. And, you know, I've really, you know, found out that. God wants us to trust him and to believe in him and really um, just pray about, you know, our struggles and what's bothering us. And I really got inspiration from first Peter five and 10. And it says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, still himself restore you, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. So that really gives me comfort because, you know, God is going to make you perfect. It's going to make you feel good. He's going to make you feel amazing, you know, make you feel better about yourself. And he will restore you and make you whole. So he will make you, if your heart's been broken, he will restore you and make you whole. Or if you're going through a rough time and you not know where your next meal is going to come from, just believe in God and he can help you you know, strengthen you and really give you that extra courage and strength to keep going another day. And also he will make you steadfast, which means, you know, be, he'll make you unmovable. So nothing can make you doubt what God is going to do for you. And that really gives me a lot of comfort because I've been through a lot of things, you know, didn't know what I'm going to do about my bills but God always comes through. Now, I also got really great inspiration um, from a song by Joel Vaughn. It's called Already Done. And it goes like this. So you can run right at your mountain like it's already moved. And you can chase down your Goliath like you know he's going to lose. I'm improving because I'm probably not singing it the way he sung it. But maybe your waters haven't parted yet. But the time is going to come. Because when your father makes a promise, it's already done. So I was like, go ahead, Mr. Joel. I already know it's already done. You know, when things are going wrong and, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm just going to believe in God and say it's already done. You're already making moves for me that's going to help me in my times of trouble. So I'm just here to encourage you, you guys, you know, just to trust God, lean on him, lean not on your own understanding and trust in God because he is going to make things right and he's already working out things for you in your favor. So I just want to end it with this, y'all. Stay brave. Stay bold and stay balling. Peace. What's up, my ballers? For mental health check-in today, I really want to talk about writing. I've always loved writing.
poetry, writing stories. They have always helped me to express my feelings, you know, especially when I'm going through a hard time or, you know, I'm just struggling with what I want to, you know, just say and figuring out who I am. Writing has always been a great way for me to be myself. So I really want to encourage you and, you know, just really encourage you to write. Write, uh, writing in a journal is a great way to express yourself and help you with your mental health. Um, you know, just being able to, if you can't really talk to someone, you can definitely write in your journal and, you know, just talk about your day or, you know, create a story, you know, that can help you escape something that you may not want to deal with at the time. Um, so I wrote this poem and it's called, You Are a Radiant Light. You are loved. You are cherished. You are a radiant light. Don't dim yourself to fit in. Don't shrink yourself to blend in. You are meant to shine brighter than those around you. You are magnificent. You are a child of God, a beautiful queen. Let that soak into your spirit. Let love marinate through your soul. Let God take control. You are a radiant light. You are a masterpiece. God took the time to sculpt you, mold you in the womb. God has put great purpose for you to do. Don't be afraid. Don't hide your pain. Talk to God or someone you trust. Then let it go. Shine bright. Shine for everyone to see. Let them see how radiant your light can be. And that is the poem I wrote. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope it encourages you. And hope it helps you with your mental health. So I just want to end it with this. Stay brave, stay bold, and stay ballin'. Peace. What's up, my ballers? For Baller of the Week, I really want to talk about Shohei Otani. I think he's an amazing player because, you know, he is so young. He's only 26. And he really gives me inspiration um, because, you know, he's the first pitcher since Babe Ruth, you know, to start a game while leading in home runs. And, you know, Babe Ruth is an, a, the greatest hitter of all time. And, you know, I think Shohei Otani could be even better than Babe Ruth because, you know, he's just a, an amazing pitcher. No one can hit his pitches. And, you know, he can he can throw that ball really fast. It's 101 miles per hour. That is all that is super fast and I would not want to try to hit that at all. And he probably scares those those hitters. Cause out of the the 18 out of 20 plate appearances he's done, he can't no one can hit that ball. No one can hit the ball when he pitches it. And I think that's incredible. That's like as it's super fast. And I am so amazed by how much drive and ambition he has at such a young age. You know, he's only 26 and, you know, he had, he came from Japan. Um, so he had to be the best of the best from Japan and that's hard to do. And then he came to America and became the best. So I think he is such a uh, inspiration for everyone who wants to, you know, really do their best, you know, that wants to be the best and, I mean, it just reminds me of 
a movie um, called The Sandlot. And if you've never seen that movie, I think it's really a great movie. Um, it's just about, you know, these young kids that really want to, you know, just they love the game of baseball. And um, there's a little boy named Smalls and he's just a new kid. He wants to fit in and he wants to be part of the team. And so, you know, it's just a little little team that they have that they they formed with the neighborhood kids and you know he um decides to use his his father's um baseball and it was signed by Babe Ruth and he he wants to impress his his friends his new friends so he brings the ball with him and he you know has them play and he's like oh this is signed by Babe Ruth and everyone's really impressed right and so they were playing around and they hit the ball over the fence. And in the fence is a huge, ferocious dog. And they called him the Beast. And they were super afraid um, to go back over that fence. Because anybody that went over that fence didn't come back. And so they were so scared. And, you know, they were really not, like surprised that the Smalls didn't even know that... Um, he that it was Babe Ruth. They didn't, he didn't know who Babe Ruth was. He was totally new to the game of baseball. And they were like, I know you did not give us a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth. You know? <laughs> so they that they spent the whole movie trying to get that ball back. And it was just so funny, you know, how they worked, you know, as a team, you know, they worked together to get the ball back and you know, um they basically risked their lives cuz that dog was huge. Um, and they, he could have bit and basically, you know, scarred them for life. And it was basically based on a movie, uh, actually a real life story, um, about, you know, I think one of the directors, um, had the same experience and he actually got bit by the dog. So luckily they didn't get bit. They, they got the ball back, but it took a long time. Um, you know, one of the characters, his name was Benny, the jet Rodriguez, and he was really fast. So he was like the only kid that could go across that fence, get the ball, and be able to come back over the fence without getting bit. And so he was the one that had to get the ball and um, bring it back. And he was trying to get the ball back before his, his uh, stepfather came back, the little boy named Smalls. Um, so um, I think that, you know, it's really cool that Shohei Otani um, is 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 being compared to Babe Ruth because he's one of the greatest hitters of all time in baseball. Um, and I believe that he should be um, compared to Babe Ruth and he's an incredible pitcher. So I'm super excited that he's the baller of the week. Uh, I love what he's doing and I hope it inspires one of you, you know, to be the best at whatever you want to do in life. I just want to leave it with this. Stay brave, stay bold and stay balling. Peace. What's up, my ballers? My name is Keisha Swafford, and I'm here with Kelsey Kozer, and she is such an amazing person. I am so honored for her to be on my show. Um, she is just, uh, you know, a Princeton graduate with a psychology degree. She's the first team All-American in Ivy League school, you know, for Princeton. Uh, she's the first Princeton Tiger female All-American, first overall draft pick for the Metro Riveters in 2016, and she played two seasons in the National Women's Hockey League with the Riveters. 
And also just, just to add to the list, you know, she's the first female African-American coach in NCAA ice hockey history. And that is such an amazing feat. Um, you know, I'm just so happy for her to be on the show. How are you doing today? I am good. I'm good. I'm really excited to, to be on the show and get a chance to, to share a bit of my story with you. Awesome. Um, the first question I want to ask you is how has your life changed, you know, since becoming the first female African-American coach in NCAA history, ice hockey? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a really incredible past year and a half. You know, I think um, having my voice amplified, I think has one, been one of the biggest changes for me personally is having much more opportunity to really share my story and, and how I got into the sport and what I'm hoping to do to make the sport a better place. And that is something that has come because, you know, I have, I, I became the first uh, African-American female head ice hockey coach in, in NCAA history. And so it's been, it's been fun to get the chance to, to share my story and, um, you know, hopefully make some positive change for the future. That's awesome. It is an amazing story. I saw your story in Good Morning, uh, Good Morning America. And, you know, I just like, I have to interview you. You're such an amazing person. <laughs> I had to. Um, and I just wanted to also ask you, what did, it, what did it mean for you, you know, to break that gender and race barrier? Um, what did it mean for you? Yeah, you know, it was, it was an interesting, um, it was an interesting situation growing up and being um, mostly being like, you know, the only female on all my teams. And that was really what I think set me apart first was, um, and that's what people most focused on, you know, when they were trying to kind of knock me down. Um, that was, was focusing on me being a girl in what was traditionally a boys sport. And so, you know, I think it actually really helped to toughen my skin from a young age and kind of prepare me for like, that didn't bother me as much as, as I got older when folks started targeting my race. And so having that background of like, okay, just stick through, just be tough, you know, toughen your skin. You know, nobody cares what they say. Like these words can't really hurt you. That was something that I faced early on targeting my gender first. And so once I got to the point where folks started targeting my my race, I already felt very well equipped to handle that and just kind of like push through the nonsense. Um, and so, you know, that is something that I think has kind of continuously followed me throughout my, my career now, even into, into coaching. Um, obviously, you know, in this day and age, I don't get much negativity, especially in regards to my race in the sport, because, you know, we are, there is a push to, to make hockey a much more accepting and and open sport. And so, you know, I think it's, it's been really nice to have folks, um, you know, just accept me and, and support me in, in my mission to, you know, do my best to make, to make hockey a, a more inviting and diverse space. I agree because it's, I think it's the perfect timing, you know, because everyone is being more accepting of, you know, uh, women of color and just, you know, women in sports. So I think that this is the perfect time, you know, to yeah. make history. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And um, where does your passion for ice hockey come from? And what attracted you to ice hockey? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was raised just outside of the city of Philadelphia, um, which definitely was not a 
a hockey hotbed, um, you know, when I started playing hockey in the late 90s. And so what really attracted me was, um, you know, my family members that played the sport. So I had two older cousins that, you know, I'm an old child. So I really saw them as kind of like my big brothers. And um, they played, they played travel ice hockey. So I was just kind of around the rink constantly growing up, watching them play and going to their games. Like, you know, basically kind of like the little sister getting like drug along to, to all their games. I got to just, you know, watch them and be around the rink all the time. And so um, by the time I was really old enough to like try rollerblading and, and try skating on my own, um, I had already had that like passion for the game that was sparked in me from a really young age and just kind of constantly being around the game of ice hockey. And so, um, you know, I, I convinced my mom to like sign me up for some learn to play clinics and things like that. And um, once I got on the ice myself, I mean, it was like hockey was my number one sport from the time I stepped foot on the ice until, I mean, it still is. So <laughs> um, it was just a matter of getting me on the ice the very first time. That's awesome. You know, I tried ice skating and I loved it. Like, uh, you know, I live in Louisiana, so it's like not ice hockey <laughs> weather. Right. <laughs> but um, I did go to Texas and go to an inside ring. So it was, I loved it. I love ice skating and always, and my mom took me rollerblading a lot. So yeah, that, both that's are, like are very fun. Yes, yeah. very. I love it. I want to go back to ice skating. <laughs> um. So speaking of ice hockey and skating, you know, what challenges, you know, did you overcome, you know, being a girl, you know, being, you know, playing hockey? Yeah. So, you know, obviously the biggest challenge was just kind of accessibility um, to the sport. I mean, knowing where I wanted to end up and playing college, you know, high level college hockey, division one hockey, it was definitely a challenge to find the right teams to be a part of to get me to my end goal. Um, you know, I felt a lot of pressure as like a very young high school age to, you know, go away and live away at prep school, like boarding schools and things like that. And it's not something that I want to do. I mean, I'm like, I'm a homebody through and through. I love the Philadelphia area. I love being around my family. And so, you know, it was definitely a challenge to get to continue to play the sport at a high level. I had to make a lot of sacrifices, you know, miss a lot of, I mean, you know, I went to one homecoming dance my entire high school career because, you know, because it was during hockey season and I had to just make that sacrifice. And so um, it was, there were challenges, certainly just in terms of, you know, accessibility. Um, you know, I had to, in order to get where I wanted to be, I played on um, a, a girls tier one, like high level travel team. Um, my junior year that was um, up in Bridgewater, New Jersey, which is about an hour and a half each way drive. So, you know, we spent, my mom and I, you know, I was raised by a single mom. And so we spent just, you know, I mean, dozens of hours a week driving back and forth to, to practice and making sure that I was getting seen by the right people in order to ultimately achieve my goal of playing college hockey. So I would say the biggest, the biggest, uh, hurdle was definitely kind of that accessibility aspect, um, especially being like from the Philadelphia area. Um, but it is hopeful to see that there are some really high level girls programs that that have popped up in the last five, 10 years um, so that, you know, girls in this area don't have to they don't have to travel two hours each way to, you know, to play where they need to play in order to, to, to reach that ultimate goal. 
That's great. I'm glad that, you know, people are expanding their, their minds and actually, you know, letting people, you know, do ice hockey, especially when, you know, young girls, you know, they need to be exposed to something different, you know, besides basketball or, you know, something that most women, you know, or girls may think that they want to do. Um, and I give it up to single moms. My mom was a single mom. So definitely, you know, (laughs) they do a lot. They sacrifice a lot for us. So yeah, she sacrificed a thousand times more than I did. That's for sure. You know, <laughs> missing a homecoming looks like nothing compared to, you know, what she had to to go through and what she had to do, you know, in order to to support me in my very expensive choice of sport. <laughs> so, yeah, give her a lot of props. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and what has been the you know the greatest impact on your career? Um, you know, I think leading up to. I do think that the greatest impact on, on my career has been kind of those, those firsts that I I had the honor to to be a part of. So, um, you know, being the first overall draft pick in the NWHL at the time and being like the first black, um, the first black hockey player to be selected first overall in a North American draft. um, You know, that was something that I think really kind of gave me that sense of empowerment and, and, um, from the start kind of gave me this platform to reach, you know, younger minority girls that were, you know, just coming up in the sport and, and gave me a platform to really be a role model for them. Um, I think it, it definitely kind of helped to amplify my name and, and showcase, you know, my story and, and what it took to get here, but that you know, they can do the same. And then now I definitely think one of the biggest impacts on my career has been you know, getting the job that I, that I have now, you know, starting the program here at Arcadia and being the first female African-American head coach in NCAA history. It's like I said before, it has absolutely amplified my story and given me a platform to really try to make a positive change for the future. And that's something to an extent that I don't think I ever really even felt this much, you know, as a player. Um, I think having a power position, not just as a player to be a role model, but as a coach so that, you know, others can see that even if you don't make it to the highest level, say, say playing, like you can still be a coach and still make such a big impact um, on future girls' lives to see that, you know, there's a black woman that can be in a power position within athletics. That's something that I think is um, just as special as, you know, getting to, to play the sport and, and be the, the role model that way. Yes, and I think everyone, I think all women need to, especially Black women, need to see someone in power, someone that is doing, you know, great things in the um, in in ice hockey and just any sport. Um, you know, we need that that kind of role model. So thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it just like I've I've learned a lot recently that it just takes it takes one. Like I was shocked to find out that I was the first. Um, I mean, I guess not the first female African American. Um, you know, NCAA hockey coach, because it is a sport that is just now growing in, in popularity amongst females. So there are some really amazing, you know, black girls that are playing the sport right now that are in NCAA hockey and, um, you know, that have played high level NCAA hockey and even professionally. Um, So I think that that is definitely to come. and, And I'm glad that, you know, I got this position at this time so that those girls can see like, 
hey, I could absolutely be a college coach. Like, there's no reason that I can't. Just because I was one of few black girls playing college hockey doesn't mean that I can't be that, you know, that, 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 that one coach that, that really pushes for change. So um, I think it, it definitely came at the right time. Definitely. I agree with you hundred uh, percent, you know, um, and, you know, how do you keep your love for the game alive? You know, after all these years. Yeah, I think it's just constant new challenges. Um, you know, it was always having these shorter and, and longer term goals. Um, and so, you know, growing up being a kid, right, you just play the sport because you, you, you it's fun. Like it is, it's not going to school every day. It's that thing at the end of the day that you really look forward to. Um, and then, you know, as I got a bit older and, and became definitely more serious within the sport and, and knew that I wanted to pursue that moving forward, it, it provided me this sense of purpose. And that's something that you definitely needed, um, you know, in high school. I mean, I was always very strong academically and it's always something that I held to a high standard, but having that goal of knowing that I wanted to go to Princeton, you know, it's, it kept me on track, I think absolutely. And kept me pushing forward and, and kept that, that love for the game. So then once I was there, obviously that's a whole new challenge of, you know, adjusting to college and adjusting to being a, you know, division one athlete. And, you know, that was a new challenge in itself. And, you know, I finally kind of felt like I was getting the hang of that. And then four years is up before you know it. And right. You know, the new challenge of figuring out what I wanted to do in terms of, you know, my professional job, but also while playing professional ice hockey and balancing that and, you know, being a high level professional ice hockey player was a new challenge in itself, which, you know, I had that for a few years. And now here I am with this brand new challenge of, of starting my own program and, and becoming a coach. So I think those new challenges are what have just kind of constantly um, kept my passion for, for hockey very high. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we always need to be challenged in life. You know, if we're not reaching for something new or something better, you know, what's what's life for, you know? <laughs> um, and how do you plan on, you know, you? I know you're uh, the advisor for the female hockey committee, advisory committee. Um, how do you plan on using that position, you know, to make ice hockey more exclusive, inclusive? Yeah, so, you know, that is, I think, be having the opportunity to, you know, be an advisor in, in a variety of different roles. I mean, I've been with, you know, the NHL female hockey advisory, um, you know, now starting with um, the NWHL, uh, you know, advising the, the commissioners, the NWHL, it's, it's all in getting the chance to share my story and what it took for me to be a part of the sport and what challenges I faced that, you know, other people have absolutely, you know, no idea. Um, even just for, for folks wanting to just be fans of the sport, let alone play the sport, there's a lot to be learned on, on other people's experiences. And I think, you know, having a unique experience myself, I bring this level of understanding and openness and wanting to learn about other people's, you know, paths to, to the sport of hockey. And then, you know, getting the chance to use my voice to amplify that, I think is something that, you know, really goes a long way. So having that exposure and having, um, like I said, just having, having that ability to, to amplify my story and, and other people's stories, I think is something that is going to continue to make ice hockey a more inclusive sport. Um, you know, it's, it's exposure is key. And so if, 
younger girls can see that, you know, that I am a fan of ice hockey and I've had success within the sport, then they're not going to, they might doubt less their ability to also be a fan of the sport. Um, and so I think that that's something that, you know, that exposure goes a really long way. Yeah, it really does. Cause there, you know, it'll be more people or more girls that will be like, Hey, uh, she plays hockey, so I can play hockey too, you know? So that's yeah. awesome. Um, and what advice would you give a, you know, a girl that wants to play ice hockey, but, you know, it's not really sure, it's doubting herself and, you know, it's kind of intimidated. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's scary to, to get out of your comfort zone and take that risk. I understand that, that it is a risk, but I think within anything you do, you're going to have to take risks at some point, right? No matter what sport you're interested in playing, no matter you know, where, where that sport can take you is something that I think far outweighs those, those nerves and, you know, that initial hump of getting into it, um, which is, is definitely hard to see as, as a younger, as a younger girl, especially. Um, but I think we oftentimes, you know, as women, especially as young girls, we underestimate our power. And so knowing that, you know, if you, if you go in there and you act like you belong there, everyone's going to just treat you the way you handle yourself. And that's something that taken, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm still learning um, as, you know, as a 25 year old, but it's something that if you can kind of master that from a younger age and just, Hey, if you act like you belong there, then you belong there. Um, and that's something that, you know, I've tried to instill my whole life. And it's something that, you know, I didn't let the boys don't let the boys push you around because you absolutely belong there as much as they do. Um, and, you know, and, and those, those other opportunities to, to play with girls, they will come along, um, especially now that the sport of women's hockey is increasing and growing. And so, you know, those, those opportunities to play with the girls will come along. You might just have to endure like a year or two, just getting into the sport and learning it and being alongside, you know, a bunch of boys who are gonna push you and challenge you, but ultimately make you better. Right, exactly. You can't be scared. You just got to go for it, you know? Yeah. Do it. <laughs> and um, last question, um, where do you see the future of women's ice hockey going? It's, I mean, we're at a really crucial point, I think, within the sport of, of women's hockey. We're really at this point of like exponential growth. And I think it's going to continue to go in the right direction. I think, um, you know, obviously the, the COVID pandemic, I think impacted um, the sport in this past year, but from, you know, I, I think we had started to set a really strong foundation that, you know, girls belong in, in the sport of hockey and developing some really great all girls programs to, to really introduce girls into the sport. And so I think, you know, the fact that we have all of these you know, different systems in place is something that's going to just continue to increase popularity in the sport of, of women's ice hockey. Um, and so I think, you know, I think it's definitely heading in the right direction and it's going to continue to, to head that way. I totally agree. And, you know, um, I think that I was exposed to, you know, ice hockey just through you, you know, just looking at your, you know, good, good morning America story, you know, I was like, okay, she's uh you know I knew there was ice hockey women's ice hockey but just looking at you I was like the girl can can skate and she was checking people and you know yeah. she was even going along with you know the lady that was interviewing you and 
you know, she, it was, you look good, you know? So, um, you know, I'm just like, man, I want to go out there and see what I could do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. such, hockey is such an amazing sport that like, once you try it once you're, you're usually no matter what level you play, right. Even if you just play recreationally, it's such a fun way to get your exercise in and sometimes get out some frustration and, um, just really, you know, have fun. And so I think that, you know, if, if I can help open the doors for a few more people to just even try out the sport, that's, that's awesome for me. Yes. Um, thank you so much for just being on the show, Kelsey. Uh, I'm just so excited just to share your story. And, you know, I just want to end it with this. Stay brave, stay bold, and stay ballin'. Peace. <laughs>